You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Top's here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M, and what would it take to see Jimbo Fisher move on from Kellen Mond. I know that's a really sensitive subject to talk about, but after two straight games of, I would say, adequate play at best, there has to be a conversation going on somewhere in the building about this. And this episode of Lockdown Aggies is brought to you by Built Bar, where a candy bar meets a protein bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON to save $10 off your next purchase. That promo code is LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com. Before we begin, as always, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show, and I love public feedback. Anything you can do to help make this a more quality-sounding podcast every single day. Every single day is a Locked on Aggies podcast kind of day. Give me a follow at Mr. Cole Thompson. Give me a shout-out. Let me know you want to hear, and I will make that into our promo every single week. And secondly, Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things Texas A&M related content found here at LOP. Subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify if you can't do any of that. Listen live every single day at LockedOnPodcast.com. So when you go back and you watch the 52-24 loss to Alabama this past Saturday, there's one thing I can say to give a little bit of credit to the offense. They were consistently scoring. You know, you look at what Kellen Mond did. He did have three touchdowns on the day. They did have that opening missed field goal. Seth Small came back. He had a second one. You also had the likes of a good overall feel for drives, I think, early. Because it stayed pretty close all the way up until the Daniel Wright interception return for touchdown. Up until that kick, up until the pick six, it was a close game. I mean, they were down by seven. They tied the game. But the thing I look at, especially on defense, big plays. Opening drive for Alabama, 78-yard touchdown pass to Mac Jones to John Metchie. I said on Locked On SEC, John Mechie was going to be someone to watch out for this upcoming week. I just did not see him having a slow game when you know all the pressure was going to be on the likes of Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddell. I figured he was going to have a big game. He had another one late. 63-yard touchdown pass from Mac Jones with 5.33 left in the game. Then you look at what you saw with the likes of Jalen Waddell. Pure speed. Speed across the middle of the field. Speed on the outside. The ability to make defenders really make you pay across the middle. That's what Jalen Waddle does. And he did that with its 87-yard touchdown in the third quarter to give the Crimson Tide a 42-17 lead. Big plays matter when it comes to football. And as much as I want to say Mike Elko's defense did a decent job or they have been the better side of the ball this past year, they weren't. 20 for 27, 435, four touchdowns at a QBR rating of 94.1 for Mac Jones. This is a kid who couldn't get anything going in week one to show that he was a superstar under center. The run game for AM depleted. That big 117 yard performance from Isaiah Spiller, one there in Tuscaloosa. Nice Smith. Yeah, he had a touchdown. He had two touchdowns, both as a receiving option. The run game was depleted. And when you look at what you've seen from the likes of this offense, stability was going to be your big bread and butter. I still haven't seen that. And that's a big problem going into this week three matchup against Florida. Stability at a position that is so detrimental to a team's success. A team that is actually built to win now. I get it. 
you lost the likes of Elijah Blades, who was an average corner at best, in my opinion, last year. You lose the likes of Jamon Osmond, who is your go-to weapon if you're Kellen Mond. I get that. You lose Anthony Hines, who was slightly above average, I would say, for the linebacker position. But that still doesn't really add up. Outside of Michael Clemens, there's not really a great pass rush. There's not really a great offensive line execution. There's not really anything special going on with this A&M offense. The secondary has played okay. I mean, don't get me wrong. They had an interception. I'll give them that. It was off a tip ball, but they still had a turnover. I figured that they were going to at least get one, and they did. But there's nothing really that stands out. Jalen Jones, I understand. You are a freshman, and it's going to take time. Miles Jones, you're a four-year part-time to full-time starter. You should not be getting burnt consistently against the likes of the Crimson Tide. Not in the SEC West, against opponents you've gone up against for two years as a starter. No, that's inexcusable, in my opinion. But perhaps the biggest inexcusable thing of all has to be on offense. Jimbo Fisher in the fourth quarter finally realized, I'm out of this game. I do not have a chance to win. Let's see what we got with Haynes King. You pass up on Zach Calzada. You move ahead. You go with the Longview product. He went one for three. He had a QBR rating of 80.1 because he threw only three times. But one of those plays was an interception. A horrendous interception if we're really talking about it. I mean, if you look at where King was aiming, and this is nothing against him. I get it. You're a freshman. But if you're going to be this type of quarterback in the SEC, you got to place the ball deep out. you got to place it out of the defensive back's hands. It was an underthrown ball that Malachi Moore was able to go pick up in the end zone on first and goal. I mean, and the biggest thing is you saw what King could do as a complete player. He was able to run it. He led the team in rushing yards on the very last play. His throw to Chase Young, Chase Lane, was fantastic. So it's not like we're just seeing, oh, you know, it's a freshman, you know, he's playing against Alabama. Let's just see what... Yes, it is. But at the same time, I look at what King did in those few moments outside that throw, which, again, week in and week out, you're going to have to better prepare for. You're going to be able to see a little bit more of. You're going to be able to dissect, this is where I need to place it next time. This is where I was wrong. He looked like a competent guy. And I want to see what happens moving forward. Let me just bring this up before we go take a quick little break. You ever looked at the Los Angeles Chargers? They have a quarterback by the name of Tyrod Taylor. Who's safe. Consistent. He'll get you six wins. He'll get you seven wins, possibly. He's not going to be a pro bowler. He's not going to be a guy who comes in immediately and takes over a team. He's going to be consistently average. But guess what? Average sometimes goes your way when you have a defense that's willing to step up. Unfortunately, he's hurt right now. And so the team elected to go to Justin Herbert, their first-year quarterback out of Oregon, number six overall pick. Herbert's 0-3 as a starter. But the upside is what he's done in three weeks of play. He's one of two quarterbacks to throw for 900 yards in his first three games of the NFL. The only other quarterback is Cam Newton to do that. He has seven touchdowns to three interceptions. Two interceptions, horrendous. 
But he also leads the NFL in touchdowns past 40 yards. With three. Now, are they a better team? At the moment, no. But they're also very injured. Unfortunately, for a guy like Taylor, who did not ask to be benched. He was benched because of, unfortunately, a doctor did a misdiagnosis, and now they're trying to make sure that he doesn't have a collapsed lung. But once again, Taylor's likely not going to get the job back. He didn't get it back in Cleveland. He was up and down in Buffalo. Now he's in Los Angeles. And because of the potential that Herbert brings to the team, Anthony Lynn has to stay strong and go forward with this kid. Because the kid offers more upside and the potential of a greater outcome than the likes of Tyrod Taylor. I just wonder. I know he's young. I understand that this is a year that you're expecting big things. But why is Jimbo Fisher not having that same conversation? Because the way I saw King, who led the team in rushing yards, who in three throws made better contact with his receivers outside of the one interception, why are we not bringing this up in the conversation if this is a prove-it year that Jimbo Fisher can hang in the SEC? With the Aggies returning to College Station this upcoming week, even though the game is at 11 a.m., you're going to want to hang out all day, and that's why I recommend you grab a Built Bar. Now, Built Bar, you've heard the promo codes in the past about how they have 12 original flavors. Well, now they have six brand new flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, apple, almond crisp, and carrot cake. These aren't really protein bars. They're more like candy bars because they're covered in 100% real chocolate, and instead of a soft nougat, there's actually a soft covering that's easy to chew. They're great for someone who's a health-conscious guy, such as myself because they help you lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. That's because they're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and great for someone who's on the keto diet. Right now, I cannot put down the new coconut almond flavored, and it's because it has 18 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. You're not going to find a product like this anywhere else. And when you go visit BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON, you'll save $10 off your next purchase. That promo code is LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com. The only way to celebrate a true ag game day is by going all day long. That's why I recommend Built Bar to keep you up and ready to go when the Aggies take home a victory. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, let me get your opinion on something. Do you love quality podcasts surrounding your favorite sports team? If so, why not listen to a Locked On Podcast? The Locked On Podcast Network has over two dozen college sports shows plus every team covered in the NFL, MLB, NHL, NBA, and highlight information to get you ready and geared up to win your fantasy sports league. Subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day. Every single day is a Locked On Podcast Day here at LockedOnPodcast.com. So let's talk about what we could see from Texas A&M moving forward at quarterback. Now there's three options, and we're just going to go through each of them. We're going to talk a little bit about it, and then we're going to let you decide what you think are the best options. Number one is to go forward with Kellen Mond. Kellen Mond, in my opinion, has done enough with his legacy at Texas A&M to continue to be the quarterback. He's already surpassed Johnny Manziel in passing yards. He's only a few hundred yards away from taking over as the lead guy. Now, that doesn't mean that the wins are going to start improving. I mean, they're 1-1, one and, one, and they have games in the next two weeks against a Florida offense that consistently can score, even though the defense is going to struggle. The defense is very struggling, especially in the secondary. 
They could put up a lot of points, still be one and two. And then the week after that, they face off against one of the red hot teams in Mississippi State, who did lose this past weekend to Arkansas. So you don't really know. Does that make Arkansas good? Does that make Mississippi State overrated? Does that make LSU just a terrible team? All those things are questions that can be asked. And all those really can't be answered until AM faces them. So you just kind of gotta go with your gut, stick it out with Mond, and hopefully eight and two, nine and one is still a possibility. There were moments in the game against Alabama where he did look the part of a quality starting quarterback. He only had one giant mistake, and that was the pick six. He didn't really miss on his targets that much. He had a 68, you know, he had a 68 rating in QBR, but when he was on point, he was on point. That touchdown to Ryan Reddick, great touchdown. The read to Anaya Smith on the outside for the six uh, for the 14-yard score late, great touchdown. Garbage points. But it still was a good read. And that's what you need as a quarterback. You need someone who is understanding the reads. And I think with time, that's going to build to see what you have at quarterback for the future. Option number two, and this is the option that I think is best, don't guarantee anything other than a two-back system at this point. If Mond wants to be in the record books and beat the likes of Gerard Johnson, he should. he should. He's earned it. He's been there long enough, but that does not mean that there are not plays, there are not drives Haynes King gets in, especially in games that you can easily win and in close games where you're seeing struggles from number 11. Number 13 in a minimal role last week had all the makings of what you hope to see for the future of A&M. And one thing that we remember that a lot of A&M fans remember is Kyle Allen was struggling. They decided to keep Kyle Allen in even though they had a hot young shot by the name of Kyler Murray, who at his university in Allen High School was a star. He never had a losing season, never had a loss. And Kyler Murray was always considered the second option. Then he got a chance to start. He struggled a little bit, but then they went back to Kyle Allen. Then there were moments where they had both Kyle Allen and Kyler Murray playing, and the Aggies offense actually looked quality. They didn't look... Super impressive. They also didn't look horrendous. They looked like a quality unit. And with the defense playing at the way that they did, another another game where no one had over 100 rushing yards. The, now, the unit as a whole did, but no one in Alabama had over 100 yards in the day. And the way that the defense still was able to make some turnovers. Eliminate those big plays. And I think in a game against Florida where you really have to worry about covering the tight end and Kyle Pitts more than you do on the outside. This is an opportunity where the defensive backfield, I think, can really step up and show, hey, we are one of the better teams in the SEC in pass defense. We are an older unit. I would love to see what we do in the near future. This is one of those times, I think, that this is a game where you could say that the defense really steps up big. When the defense steps up big and you have two quarterbacks kind of on the same rhythm and same pattern, I think that this could work. Mond has earned the right to be number one in passing yards, possibly even passing touchdowns if the offense can finally start grabbing attention through the air because they've done it on the ground. I'll give them that. But if they can do that, I think he deserves the right to be in that conversation. That doesn't mean Haynes King does not deserve the right to just sit on the bench, especially when you see the struggles that have happened week in and week out. Number three, here's another one, just plain and simple. 
Go with Haynes King. Haynes King, if you're going to go ahead with King, you're saying we're going to be probably 6-4, and 5-5 four, five and five this year. We're okay with that. Sorry, guys. I'm going to build for next year. I'm going to fight for my job if I'm Jimbo Fisher. And King gives me the best opportunity to build this season with a young wide receiver core and go ahead and just figure things out. Because in 2021, I need to make sure that the AM fan base is not ready to go ahead and buy me out. King will at least give me stability to build off of. He will give me momentum to see where the problems lie on both the offensive line and at the receiver core. I can go out and recruit. And even though this season is going to be a lost season, 2021 shouldn't be. Because I have my quarterback. I have the guy already in the system for a year. Working. Starting. Making plays under center. I have that guy. Yeah, 2020 was a lost year. But it was a lost year for everybody. I mean, we we watch teams struggle all across every conference. We'll just pretend that we struggled this year. But I have my quarterback of the future, which means I'm set for 2021 when A&M fans are coming for my head. And step number four, and this is just an obvious one, Zach Calzada. Calzada to me feels like the odd man out, especially when King came in over him. And this is a kid who's been on campus for all of one semester, and he's already earned the right to be the number two guy. If I'm Calzada, I'm looking at potentially transferring. I'm looking at if I have to beat him out next year. You know, one of us is eventually, I think, going to be looking for a new team. I hope it's me earning the starting job. I think the only way I can do so is by praying to God that I somehow come in next game in a blowout game, whether we're on the blowout side or on the opposing side, and I make some magic. And then again, if you really feel confident without King and you wanted to see what you have with Calzada, go for it. You can always do a two-system set with those guys. But I don't know if there really is a legitimate true answer going into week three, really week six, if we're talking about the college football season as a whole, that A&M is ready and able to be set under center. They have problems at every single quarterback. The difference is one's been in the system for a year, one's been in the system for a semester, one's been in the system for three and a half years. And with the guy in the three and a half years, if he's starting and he's struggling, you have a lot more problems to get through. Let's talk about our stud and dud of the game as we move forward into the week as the Aggies prepare for their matchup with Florida. We'll be breaking down who they are in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Listen every single day. Every single day is a Locked on Podcast day here on Spotify, iTunes, and LockedOnPodcast.com. Let's talk about our stud and dud of the game. My number one stud for Texas A&M this week was once again Michael Clemens. While he didn't lead the team in tackles, he did lead the team in sacks. He was the only player to get a sack on Saturday against Mac Jones in this Alabama offensive line that's probably going to compete for, is that the Ringington Trophy? I know that goes to the best center. Uh, I always forget the name of that trophy, but they're going to be in competition because they've only allowed two sacks in the entire season and one comes to the likes of good old Mr. Michael Clemens. This was a guy I was not really high on. I thought that he was going to struggle, but again, he also had a tip ball at the line of scrimmage, which helped lead to that interception by DeMarvin Leal. So he's done a lot to really step up and play that opposite outside, outside defensive end role. And I think that when you look at what he brings to this team right now as a competitive player, he's someone to keep an eye out on. Because if he continues to disrupt the pass... 
He continues to make plays with his hands. He continues to be an effective player against the run. And he's someone who I continue to see boosting his draft stock moving in week in and week out. And at the end of the day, that's what you're really looking for when you're a guy who's playing in likely their final season. In today's climate and how the world is going, you don't really know what's going to happen with the NFL next year. When will the NFL draft be? Can there be a full season? I mean, who is going to really step up? So every single play matters for these seniors more than anyone else, in my opinion. And Clemens has lived up to that expectation beyond so. Dud of the week, I'm going to go with the Jones duo. I I, I mean, I'm not going to throw one underneath the bus without throwing the other. Here's the difference. Jalen Jones is in his second start against Alabama. A team that at one point had four first-round premier number one wide receivers fighting for reps against each other. And now they have two, and they likely have a third in John Mechie if he continues to do what he's doing. If John Mechie continues to play the way he has, in two years he's going to be a first-round pick. So this is truly going to be considered wide receiver U once again because of what we've seen in the Nick Saban era. Jalen Jones should be able to make some big plays. And he did. He had two good breakups. But he also got burnt three times. Once by Jalen Waddell. Once by John Mechie. Who's also a freshman. So I can't really deny him there. And once by, I believe it was, Devonta Smith. Not on the touchdown play. That was Miles Jones. Miles Jones, however, has got to be better in coverage. I mean, you are a six foot four senior who continues to be effective against the run, but you're a cornerback. You play the position on the outside, and you're the last line of defense when it comes to man coverage, especially if it's on a deep ball. And you got burnt. You got burnt by a freshman. You got outdueled by a 175 pound receiver. You were in trouble all game, my friend. And that's a problem. Big time plays were the difference. Alabama scored 21 points on plays more than 40 plus yards. That's a problem. That's something that I do not want to see. Final takeaway from Saturday's game, eliminating the big plays. That's what's going to take and establishing a more well-balanced offense. This past week, we saw Kellen Mond throw for 351 yards. We saw the run game really struggle. I mean, again, I brought this up on Lockdown SEC earlier this week. The best way to beat Alabama is to beat them on the ground. And don't get me wrong, this is a very good Alabama defensive line. Alabama's always had a good defensive line. Way back to when I was a freshman with a guy named Jesse Williams from Australia being the starter. I mean, so that to me is not really a big problem. But you would like to see more stability. I think if you can have a more balanced offense and continue to build with your wide receivers, who at this point... I've given a lot of credit to. I can't do it past this week. You have to be better this week against a Florida defense that has allowed Matt Coral and is it Brian Hill of South Carolina? Torch them. You're a, you're an offense that is better than both Ole Miss and South Carolina. You have to be better. If you get more balanced play out of it, I think you'll be safe. But again, it all comes down to establishing that number one receiver. And until you do that, I don't think you can really figure things out.
That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast every single day. Every single day is a Locked on Aggies podcast day. And make sure you follow us on social media at Locked on Aggies and at Mr. Cole Thompson. Tomorrow, we've seen a lot of public comments made about Florida's offense. So what's it like to cover Florida? We have a very special guest joining the podcast to talk all things Kyle Trask. We will see you tomorrow. And remember, give me all. This has been Locked on Aggies. Presented by the Locked On Podcast Network.